Hi everyone, welcome back to another mini-sode of the Ethical Consumer Podcast. In this episode, I will be recapping the past 10 episodes. This will be the second recap I have done, and I wanted to do these every so often just to remind ourselves how far we've come. I cannot believe there have been 20 full-length episodes so far, and 20 or 21 mini-sodes if you count the introduction. It's 40 or 41 episodes, I'm pretty proud of that. Thank you for being on this journey with me. If you're new, welcome. You might hear about some guests you wanna go back and listen to, or if you've been here the whole time, maybe this will jog your memory. Sometimes when I'm driving in the car listening to a podcast, or I'm out for a walk, I hear something and I think, oh man, I wish I had a pen that I could write that down, or I wish I weren't driving and I could look that up on my phone. So maybe this will help take you back and remember some of those things that you wish you wouldn't have forgotten. So the last recap ended with episode 11. I'll do this every 10 episodes or so, depending on kind of where we're at in our release schedule. So today we are starting with episode 12, which was Kelp is the New Kale with Forged and Found out of Ketchikan, Alaska. And they have some really exciting news. If you listened to that podcast already, you heard that they were getting ready to set up their e-commerce site for the lower 49 states. As they are based in Alaska, shipping is expensive. So they are working on setting up distributors that would be in the Midwest on both coasts, able to get you their lovely kelp-inspired products without the Alaskan shipping, because <laughs> that's a little bit expensive. I really enjoyed talking to Chelsea and Jen of Forged and Found just about their whys. I love hearing about everyone's whys. Why did they start Forged and Found? Or why did Jen start Forged and Found? And why did Chelsea get so excited to jump on board? Jen started out as a chef and she was inspired by the various ingredients you can find around the Ketchikan, Alaska area, like sea asparagus, bullwhip kelp, salmon berry. I thought they put salmon and berries in a dressing. They don't, it's a salmon berry. It's a specific type of berry. And she wanted to share this with other people, maybe locals that weren't as used to cooking with foraged ingredients. And now those in the lower 49 that maybe don't know what a salmon berry is. <laughs> I also enjoyed talking to them about the importance of local businesses being able to successfully support the economy in Alaska. Alaska is one of the places that relies heavily on tourism and during COVID-19, travel wasn't really happening. Alaska was definitely not the only place that was hit hard. If you think about traveling to the Bahamas, traveling to Costa Rica, traveling to the Dominican Republic, to Indonesia, there are a lot of places that rely very heavily on tourism and all of a sudden when tourism stopped, so did their income. It was a really, really nice reminder about how important it is to support local, support different, support women owned, and support brands and companies that are really focused on giving back to their hometown, giving back to their state, their country. They were also our second kelp guest, second out of three kelp guests for the first, I'm gonna call it the first season or so. We took a little break over the holidays. They became, or kelp rather, became the accidental spotlight of our fall and holiday season. And we'll get into the later winter and spring spotlight with the episode 20, which I'll come back to shortly. Episode 13 was with our very own Trevor Carlson of Fresh Fuel Marketing. And if you're listening to this, if you're watching this, you can thank Trevor because this was all his idea and I very, very happily jumped on board to support this project. I've mentioned before, I am not a one-woman show. There are several people that help make this possible. Trevor is one of them and I'm hoping you can meet some of the rest of the crew later on. 
So I talked to Trevor about why he's so passionate about working with sustainable and eco-conscious companies. Normally, he's a traveler when we're not in pandemic mode. He'd be in Thailand or he'd be in Vietnam and working remotely. He realized when he was swimming through an unfortunate sea of plastic while on one of his adventures that everything that we do really has an effect downstream. He thought, what can I do? What can I do to help solve this? I can make people aware of it, perhaps with a podcast. And I can also just make sure I'm working with companies that care, or at least I'm working with companies that are hopefully making a positive impact, but also caring enough to make sure they're not at least having a negative impact or at least doing what they can. Episode 14 is the first episode that I cried in. I'm pretty sure it's the first episode I cried in. If you remember a previous episode that I cried in, please don't remind me. I tend to be a slightly emotional person, but usually I'm emotional because I'm thankful and I just got goosebumps and I'm excited that someone is doing something good, something, someone is helping someone or making a positive impact. And that is exactly what Frontier Co-op is doing. I got a chance to talk to their sustainability coordinator, Alicia Simmons, and their sustainability efforts didn't really make me cry. I mean, I'm really happy when, <laughs> when an entire co-op goes for solar energy. They have a significant offset of their energy used with their solar panels. And they've also gotten the vast majority of their company to be on board with recycling on site. If they're bringing a packaged food item from home, making sure it goes into the trash if it needs to go in the trash or ideally into the proper recycling bin if it can hopefully be recycled. They also do a lot for their own community and also the communities of their farmers where they get some of their spices, some of their teas, some of their raw ingredients. They also really try to implement sustainable packaging whenever they can. But when I cried was when we were talking about Groundswell Cafe, which is located in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And unfortunately, I need to check back. It was not operational when we were recording this episode because of the derecho storm that came through Cedar Rapids and the surrounding area just several months ago. It was an absolute devastating, what they're calling a land hurricane. And I, I had to go to Cedar Rapids a couple weeks after it happened, and it was still really remarkable how many trees were down, how many homes had siding and roofs torn off or blown in. And this was weeks after. There had already been some cleanup. And unfortunately, a lot of the areas severely impacted were also lower income areas, areas that have enough trouble finding access to healthy and nutritious food let alone being able to fix the apartments and houses they live in, or if their landlord is able to fix the apartment or houses as far as affordable housing went in that area. Frontier Co-op works directly with the Groundswell Cafe to be able to give those who would not otherwise have access to healthy and nutritious food a chance to eat with dignity, to come up into the counter, present their card, and order food, just like any other person would if they were paying with cash or card. It's a really beautiful thing. I do hope they will be able to be reopened. I will give you an update when I hear of one. I will check back in after this episode. And if perhaps they're open already, I will of course post it on social media. It's a wonderful organization. You can get involved as well when they do have their reopening date selected. 
Episode 15 was with Tasha Kellen of the Isidore Nut Company. And this lady, she's just an, she's an incredible person, as all of our guests are. But Tasha is just one of those people to take the bull by the horns. She is not afraid to use her business politically, announcing she fully believes, as does her company, hey, as do I, Black Lives Matter, inclusivity matters, and she considers her business an extension of herself. If she believes something, her business is going to believe that too. And they've really shown that with their hiring practices, hiring individuals of all abilities who might not otherwise be able to have a loving, supporting environment to work in and to take pride in what they're able to do. She is also very aware of where she gets her wonderful goodies, the nuts that she uses, the spices that she uses, and she's played with a few different types of packaging to see what works best, what is going to be cost-effective for shipping to get to her and then to get to other people. What is the best way to label? How is that going to look? She's always looking at new and different things to be able to incorporate in her business. And I love that she's growing it alongside other wonderful, amazing women in the Minneapolis area. She mentioned several other super amazing companies. She has gift baskets with these folks. She's done several collaborations with other women-owned businesses in the area, and she is just a joy to listen to in an absolute powerhouse. She's a very inspiring person. Episode 16 was with Courtney Boyd Myers of Akua Kelp Jerky. And I need to add on because they also now have kelp noodles and next year they will be launching the kelp burger. Now Courtney started from a business perspective and she was asking a mentor of hers, what can I do? What can I do for the sustainability industry? What can I do for the regenerative food industry? What's gonna make the biggest impact? And he said to her, you can make kelp a thing. You can make regenerative farming a thing. You can take one of the most regenerative crops possible and turn it into a replacement for one of the least regenerative things possible, which is animal protein farming. Now I have had the kelp jerky and I must say it is quite tasty. The hibachi teriyaki was my fiance's favorite and I really like the chili lime. I have not yet had the kelp noodles and the kelp burger is not out yet, but I'm excited for when it does come out. And she has taken kind of a unique approach to creating this kelp empire. Akua was originally crowdfunded, and now you're actually able to invest in the future of Akua and their kelp burgers via republic.co. I enjoyed hearing about crowdfunding and crowdsourcing and just hearing a different approach. You know, I feel like a lot of our guests have been kind of small kitchen crafted to commercial kitchen to, you know, it, it's it's been a slow scale up. And, and when they launched, they launched. I think hearing about different perspectives and different starts, different stories is always interesting. And hopefully you do too. Episode 17 had very good timing seasonally as we we're kind of in the midst of cold and flu season and definitely still in a pandemic. Episode 17 was with Jason Tuttle of Haymaker Works Immunity Tonic. And he has taken elderberry and added a whole slew of other wonderful ingredients. But he, along with one of our previous elderberry guests, Cassie, has been very conscientious as far as what he's adding in. He's not adding fillers. He's not adding anything that's not therapeutic or medicinal in nature. None of these products are aimed to treat or cure any diseases or sicknesses. I feel like I should say that. But 
We all know that there are things that you can do to boost your immune system, and I very much believe that we should. This is a preventative measure that you can take. It is delicious. I love elderberry syrup. And he incorporated mushrooms into his as well, which I very much enjoy. I enjoy considerate crafting. Nothing's in there that doesn't need to be and shouldn't be in there. We talked a lot about his transition from several previous business ideas, including Switchel soda, an electrolyte drink, and then finally deciding on the immunity tonic because he really wanted to take something with him while he was traveling. And you can't always take a large bottle or jar of your elderberry syrup with you. So he was thinking of some of those little plastic bottles that you can get at convenience stores that have a very high vitamin count, but he didn't want to put them in plastic. Every time he saw those, he just thought, man, that plastic is probably going in the garbage, not in the recycling bin. So he has made his out of glass. Episode 18 was with the wonderful sister duo in Detroit, Michigan, Amanda and Claire of Fennigan's Farms. And guys, I got to see, I don't think I got to see Fennigan, I, I got to see Graham, and I got to see someone else. I got to see two of their dogs on camera and I was very excited about it. Fennigan's Farms is named after one of their dogs, Fennigan, and, and these girls are on a mission to spread the word of equal access to culturally relevant foods and helping individuals grow their own food so they can become less reliant on a food system that has unfortunately failed them. This, I like to say a lot of my episodes were my favorite episodes to do, but I think this is one of the most important episodes that you could listen to, guys, because sometimes we just do not realize the inequality that is going on in supermarkets, in grocery stores, making sure there are culturally relevant foods available and at a price that people can afford. This is something that I really was unaware of up until, well, up until talking to Amanda in our intro call even. Things that I had started to notice between Waterloo and Cedar Falls, the town that I happen to live in, and the town just adjacent. They have a wonderful YouTube channel in which they are sharing different preservation techniques as well so that folks can store and save the food that they grow in the in-season so that they can have them in the off-season. Really, this has to be one of the most important episodes that we've done as far as social justice and reform and just highlighting a real lack and problem in the food system. One of the things that really left a mark on me was when they said people have been working for this change for years. And some of us are just now waking up to it. And we don't need to be the ones to go in and create a new system. We need to help those that have been trying to create a new system for years. We need to amplify those voices and we need to make their voices heard. We need to make their mission seen and heard this is not a new problem. Please go listen to this episode if you have not already. Really, it is one of the most important episodes, I think, that I've done so far. Episode 19 had a similar message. I talked with John Crotty, who is one of the founders of Small Axe Peppers Hot Sauce. And they have also noticed that there is a significant divide between the public market and community gardens and how much funding does or does not go into community gardens and how they could join the public sector and community gardens in a wonderful synergistic process. 
You can actually buy some of the pepper seeds online. And if you're a community garden or know of one that would be interested in getting a little bit of funding in kind of a roundabout way, it's perfectly legal. I think it's really cool. It's essentially a buyback program. They will send you the pepper seeds. You can grow these peppers in your community garden, and then they will buy back these peppers and use them to make their hot sauces. And I tried them. They are hot. They are delicious. They are hot. I am, I'm thankful that I got three different kinds. Um, I think two of them had two out of four peppers, or maybe it was two out of five peppers of spiciness. I think it was five. I had the Chicago one, which John said goes really well on hot dogs. I did put it on a veggie hot dog and it was absolutely delicious. A very unique celery and vegetable kind of flavor without being too vegetable-y. Their chef is absolutely phenomenal. I also have the, the green one, which was, I believe their original, very tasty. I really enjoy green salsas on tacos. That's usually where I would eat mine. My fiance put them on his eggs. John also mentioned if you do eat eggs, eggs are their preferred litmus test for their sauces. Matt fully approved. Uh, and then we both approved, but need to use sparingly the mango habanero. Super wonderful flavor, excellent flavor, just enough sweetness. You know the mango's in there without being too fruity. And the sucker is spicy. So mm, if you are not a spice spice lover, take a little bit of caution. It will not disappoint. It is some good stuff and it is giving back to the communities that these peppers are grown in. Episode 20, the last episode of this recap and the introduction to our new accidental, accidental slash kind of on purpose in this case, spotlight is water. Yes, we're talking a lot about water this spring and I'm pretty excited about it. Think about it. We drink water. We also maybe drink soda. Maybe we drink kombucha. Those are both very much high content of water. We also all eat food, as far as I'm aware. If you eat meat, those animals needed water. If you're eating vegetables, those vegetables very much needed water to grow and have a very high water content. What better thing to talk about than water? Our first water guest was Nicoya of Rising Springs. And this is just the most magical looking underground spring that has been bubbling up for around estimated 16,000 years, completely untouched, com completely void and pure and free of any chemicals, any runoff, any anything. She used a new word that I had never heard before, two words that I had never heard before, batholith, which sounds like batholith, basilisk, can't even say that word anymore, with a lisp, batholith, which is the protective layer that is relatively impermeable that allows this source water to stay so pure. And I believe it was parts per quadrillion. Water filtering is a really, a very interesting thing. Our next guest is going to talk more about that. But it was really, really nice to talk to Nikoya, who's been in water conservation for pretty much her whole life. And then also getting to hear her perspective on the benefits of natural mineral, natural spring water. Rising Springs is actually labeled as a supplement, not as a bottled water or a boxed water in this case. I've mentioned in a couple episodes and in this specific episode that I add 
trace minerals to the water that I drink because so many of them are removed in the purification process, you don't need to add anything to this water. All of the goods, all of the minerals are still in it. However, it's not a water that you want to drink for your entire water allotment of the day. It is labeled as a supplement and has and should be used as such. All right, guys, that's it. That is 20 episodes so far. A little wrap up of the past nine or so. And I'll see you in another 10 episodes for our third recap. But of course, I'll see you next Tuesday for our new full length episode. And then next Thursday, every Thursday, we release a mini-sode. Just kind of depends on what's going on. Maybe there's an article that I'm excited about, like the last one with Des Moines. Maybe it's a recap, maybe it's five favorite things that I've been doing, and maybe it's something else. If you have any suggestions, let me know. I'd love to hear them. If you're not already, go find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, your preferred podcast platform. We're on a lot of places you can find us, and I will see you guys next time.